Welcome to this week eight edition of Bruce Monin's Computer Points. I'm Bruce Monin, your host, recording from the home studio in Minster, Ohio, home of the 7-1 Minster Wildcats. Ooh, we're doing well. Yes, or as I like to say, the quietest 7-1 team in the area. Once again, as you just heard, checking in from the greater Cincinnati area, home of the still 2-3 and three Cincinnati Bearcats, the recipients of a much-needed off week. We yeah. have our co-host, executive producer, and chief researcher, Rebecca Monin. Always happy to be here, and to wish we were as um, quietly confident as the Minster team there. Well, we'll our survive. UC, our UC Bearcats have their homecoming this weekend, at noon for some odd reason, against <laughs> Big 12 opponent Iowa State. By the way, on the bright side, Rebecca, if you follow any of these teams in college football who Cincinnati played and lost to, they are a combined 15-2 and two at the moment, so not exactly chopped liver, huh? Yeah, we're not losing to bad teams, but we are still losing. Yes. In the end, that's all that anyone really cares about, isn't it? Boy, that was a bunch of good teams you lost to. Everyone feels better then, right? I'm confused as to how the math works out that our three losses played 15 games. Oh, I guess they games, didn't. Actually. 17 games. Didn't have their off week yet. Didn't have their off week. That's it. Sometimes the math doesn't want to math for me. Yes. College football is weird that way. They don't play their games all at the same time. Some teams have off weeks early. Some have them late. Some start their conference games in week one. Some play four non-conference games first. You just never can understand college. <laughs> and we're going to jump right into it this week. If you remember last week, we had a quiz. We sure did. And the quiz question was, in week seven, there were 14 games involving two Ohio High School Athletic Association teams, which ended with both team scores being prime numbers. And we asked you to name the two games where both team scores were double-digit prime numbers. The answers were, North Olmstead beat Elyria Catholic 19-13, to and Pandora Gilboa beat Van Buren 53 to 13. So we got a 13 in both of them there, Rebecca. Yeah, that's one of the easiest prime numbers to land on in a football game. We had two listeners email in correct answers to the quiz. Nice. The first one was the person who proposed we do a quiz. <laughs> I was sure. not as thrilled at receiving that answer as the second one. I mean, we got the I second mean, I answer, don't know like, why oh, not. No. We got double engagement from them, A, in suggesting a quiz, and then B, participating in said quiz. That's I figured true. that's fantastic. And, and then they even went above and beyond the call. Not only did this first listener get the answer right, they said they got a bonus point because they <laughs> found a neat score of Shockton over Meadowbrook, 55 to 22. And both of those scores are divisible by 11, which is apparently very important to that uh, listener. It's a pattern. And I, yeah, I fully support the bonus points. They mean nothing, but go have at it. I'm excited to have such involved listeners. I don't know why you're putting them down. <laughs> oh, well, we had one other listener. Don't have an official name here, but it's LS92 is their screen name on yappy.net which is a place where you go to discuss high school football here in Ohio. They also got the answer right. And, also, and this person also found 
all 14 games where both scores were prime numbers, not just the two we asked for. Uh, in Ohio or in? Yes. The... Okay. All 14, all the ones of single digit prime numbers also. Did we only ask for two because those are the ones we follow? We asked for two because we asked for the double digit ones. We didn't want all those other single digit uh, ones. Too many. Okay. Okay. It seems now, like there's only 14, so it's not too many. <laughs> Now, LS92 also noted that Mechanicsburg has both won and lost a paired primes game this season. I like the way he called that paired primes. I thought that was a cool term. That is a nice little little catchphrase there. So now I guess we can say Mechanicsburg has a thing about prime numbers, huh? They could, unless they was the, the single-digit ones, in which case that just means they had a lot of really good defense. I believe they were di- single-digit ones, so yeah. Yeah. Someone had, they lost one too. Someone had good defense. Someone had good defense. Busy weekend this last weekend. I had not come up with a new quiz, so we're going to pass on that for the week. Maybe next week we'll have something new. On to the computer points. As I went through this, I noted the playoff picture starting to clear up nicely. I expect it to really come into focus after all the big games coming up this week. I think that's about two or three weeks now we've been promoting all these big Week 9 games. We have been quite a bit. Be a shame for us to let them down. Week 9 is now upon us, so expect some good games this week. We had 14 of our teams had their color changed on my color-coded notes this week. Ooh! Meaning those 14 teams had their playoff status change in some way. Hopefully not too many towards the red, but... Bound to be a couple, I'm sure. There were two or three, but that's about it. The rest moved into more positive territory. All right. Sounds good to me. And we'll and we'll and with that, we'll charge right ahead into Division One, <laughs> Region Two. Charge. We'll st- we have number four ranked Finley here. They dropped three positions last week. They gained three positions back this week. Nice little yo-yo yeah. there. Oh yeah. They had a nice 42-35 win over 6-2 Perrysburg this week. If they can pull off a win over 6-2 Toledo-Whitmer this week, they should get into the top four and host two playoff games. If they lose, they should still host their initial postseason game. It's not guaranteed yet, but it looks good. On we go to Division II Region 8. We'll start with Troy. They are third this week. Jumped up three places. They were only sixth last week, so that's a nice jump. They defeated 4-4 four and four Riverside Stebbins. Troy, that would be the Trojans, I believe. A nice mascot that makes so much sense. Yeah, you would. I just want to thank Troy for that one. That's a good, that's a good move. <laughs> so the Trojans, they should make the top four with one more victory, and they are guaranteed to do so with two wins. Troy is a four-touchdown favorite in both their remaining games, so I'm expecting them to finish in the top four. All right, all right, sounds good. Number 11, Lima Senior. They're only a three-touchdown favorite in their last two games, not quite as good as Troy. The Spartans need both those wins, though, if they want to get into the top eight and host one playoff game. The question there with Lima Senior is, did they pick their mascot to be a rival to Troy? (laughs) <laughs> somehow i would doubt it but you never know now was were troy and trojans not, and spartans really 
No, really, uh, not really. You know, if someone if if some school was the Athenians, I could see where they would pick right, the Spartans. The Athenians be... and the Spartans would be a good one, or the Greeks against the Trojans. But you notice you never hear a mascot called the Athenians. No, it doesn't like inspire as much fear as the Spartans does. They had some good combat units, but they were mostly you hear Athenian, and you kind of just think nerds. You're afraid they'll just go on the field and hold up a scroll and philosophize with you instead of trying to trying to uh, tackle you. Yeah, yeah. Start up a good democracy. That's the risk. Yeah, maybe, yeah. yeah, maybe not the best mascot in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Moving down to number twelve, we find Sydney. We still have them at about ninety nine percent certain they're getting into the playoffs, but they're not a hundred percent. So, no color change for Sydney yet. <laughs> I know they're disappointed. I can just hear them at Sydney High School now. Oh, our color didn't change. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, if they can beat two and six Piqua this week, that'll lock up the postseason for them. So then they'll get the color change they so desperately need and want. And finally, in 16, Piqua moves up into the top 16 with just two wins. But they gained some nice second-level points this week with their win over four and four Xenia. If they can get wins over both four and four Sydney and three and five Fairborn, it guarantees them into the playoffs. One win should be a plenty. Two to guarantee it. One win, I still, I would put big money down. They get in if there say, was a place seems, to do such things. Yeah, it seems like a tough ask, but they did just beat another four and four team, so you never know. You think they have a shot to get one of those, right? Uh huh. Maybe not favored. I don't remember offhand, but the opportunity should at least be there. The opportunity should be there. Yeah. You know, with this headset on, turning my head to cough does no good whatsoever. It does no good, no. In Division 3, Region 10, boop, boop. we have number 9, Defiance. They visit 7-1 Salina this week in a game that's probably, if I remember right, Salina was about a four-point favorite, so pretty much a toss-up type game. Mm-hmm. Defiance. Defiance probably needs to win this game if they want to have a home playoff game. If they lose this, they're probably going on the road to start the postseason. The stakes are high for that week nine game. And they're probably more interested in Salina is undefeated in WBL play. Defiance has one loss. So this is a Mm. big game for determining the WBL conference championship. There we go. Not a focus of this podcast, but a focus for those two teams, I imagine. In Region 11 of Division 3, Bell Fountain is number six in the rankings right now. They earned a good number of second-level points as they are currently 6-2 and two and ranked ahead of an 8-0 team and a 7-1 team right now. Oh, yeah. Look at that. Bell Fountain will probably secure a home playoff game, and they can lock it up with a win over 6-2 and two Jonathan Alder this week. The clash of 6-2 and two teams, another good one coming <laughs> up. That is what people say. You could see that on the promo to like Sunday night football. <laughs> a clash of six and two teams for dominance of the NFC South. <laughs> Something like that. I don't know. Yeah, that's better. <laughs> I don't even know who's in the NFC South if there's anyone that could possibly be six and two, but that's all. We focus on high school. We don't know what pro teams are doing. Yeah, it's bad enough that I know what my Steelers did this week, but we'll get to that later in the podcast. We'll get to that later. In Division Three, Region 12. We'll start with Salina. They are number three right now. 
They finished the season against six and two Defiance and then six and two Wapakoneta. Oh boy, that's a tough two weeks. Salina will probably get a home playoff game if they have two losses, but they are guaranteed to get that with one win in those two games. Mm-hmm. And they can finish win in the with- top four if they pull off both those victories. Yeah, they they deserve it if they got both of those. That would also get them undefeated in the WBL, and that would make them the whatever they call that. Undisputed? <laughs> Ooh, the undisputed conference champions. I like that. All right, glad sounds I can like, help. Sounds like a boxing term, actually. But anyway. <laughs> Probably. At number five, we find Tip City Tippecanoe. They are still looking very good to win out and earn two home playoff games, possibly finishing as high as number two in this region before mm-hmm. all is said and done. Ow. Wapakoneta rose three spots up to number eight. I tell you, ever since they started the season 0-2, it's been a steady climb for the Redskins. They should stay in the top eight with one win against either 4-4 Lima Bath or 7-1 Salina. They win them both. Looks to leave Wapakoneta number five, probably just missing out on that second home playoff game. But you never know. An upset here or there, they could make it up to the top three. Yeah, a bit of a bummer, but certainly better than they were looking at the beginning. So that's pretty happy with a number five. Sitting at number 13, we find Elida. They are an 11 point underdog against both four and four St. Mary's and five and three Van Wert in the season. If they lose them both, there is the always annoying 1% chance they will (laughs) miss the playoffs. You've got a lot of those. Yes, I do. Are they all it really re- 1% or is it like this one's 0.6% and this one's 1.2%? And- I don't know if it's how it's rounded. If it's like anywhere between 1.49 and 0.00000001. It has to be absolute zero to be zero. If there's any chance above zero. Okay. Okay. That makes it sense. It goes down as a 1% or less. So. And going over to Division 4, Region 14, we find another plethora of WBL teams. (laughs) We'll start with Van Wert at number six in the standings. They can clinch a home playoff game with a win over two and six Kenton this week. If they also win over five and three Elida next week, the Cougars have an outside chance at getting those two home playoff games. Number 10, Napoleon. They are now playoff bound. Way to go, Wildcats. We did it. Although they're blue and white Wildcats, which always seems a little weird to me. But... It, it is strange and off-putting from a black and orange Wildcat nation. Napoleon is playoff bound because of their triple overtime win over 3-5 and five Oregon Clay. We will highlight that game a little bit later in the podcast. If Napoleon can win over 5-3 and three Bowling Green, that should give them a spot in the top eight and a chance to host a playoff game. In 13th place is Lima Bath, not guaranteed into the playoffs yet. They should get there, even if they don't win another game. It just is not guaranteed. Lima Bath, big underdogs to 6-2 and Wapakoneta and a 14-point underdog to 4-4 four four St. Mary's to end the year. So might be a good thing they can probably squeeze in about another win. Just behind them in the standings, at number 14, we find St. Mary's. They have won four straight games. They are double-digit favorites against both 5-3 and three Elida and 4-4 four and four Lima Bath. They are probably in the playoffs already. As another one of those teams, only a 1-2-3% chance, something like that, they would not get in. 
One victory locks up their playoff first. Two wins, and they're looking at a chance at a home playoff game. And we have number 19, Kenton. They need to beat 5-3 and three Van Wert this week. If they do, they have a 90-plus percent chance to reach the playoffs. Not guaranteed, but better than not chance. If they lose the Van Wert, they're in deep, deep trouble. It's not a 99% chance either. No, it's not a 9. It's more like 92, 93, something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's enough to leave you a scoreboard watching just a little bit. Mm, gotcha. I have a bit of history on the Napoleon High School and why they may be blue. Ooh, okay. It's nothing official, but apparently in the early 30s, they were originally their mascot was the little corporal. So there might be something there with like military uniform. That would make and sense. And then they, they were blue. switched it in for like three years in 37 to 40. They were unofficially the Fighting Scots based off of one of their coaches, but spelled like Scottish Scots. And that's a blue and white flag. So there's okay. something. And then in, in 1940, they switched to the Wildcats. But I'm wondering if maybe the initial mascots were were blue and white themed. And when they switched to the Wildcats, they didn't want to change all their coloring. That sounds reasonable. Those French <laughs> uniforms were blue and white, maybe some red in them back in the day, but a lot of blue and white. The Scots blue definitely white. blue and white. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's my theory. It. And there's nothing on this Wikipedia page to dispute that. That reminds me, last week we were talking about some little town that were the pirates, even though they didn't seem to have a sea nearby. <laughs> a listener brought to my attention that they thought maybe they were like train robbers, train pirates or something. I Possible? That's got about as much it, validity but... as my canal pirates, but I think train pirates are just called bandits and outlaws. Yeah, I, I'm not big on that one either. So, I, as much as I enjoy applying logic to mascots, I think it's just generally what sounds the coolest. And I've got to accept that. I guess. Well, we don't have to <laughs> accept it. We just probably should for our mental health. Well, probably. <laughs> In Division Four, Region 16. We'll start with Urbana, who's currently 13th. Oh, here you go, Rebecca, just for you. They can be 99% assured of making the playoffs <laughs> if they beat 2-6 and six Tecumseh this week. Oh, boy. <laughs> if they can pull off a huge upset of undefeated London in Week 10, the Hill Climbers could get a home playoff game out of this. And unfortunately, on the other end of the spectrum, number 24 Bethel joins number 25 Graham as being out of postseason contention. Oh, no. I kind of saw that one coming for a few weeks. Yeah, still sad. And we're through Division 4. That means it's now time for our... Scores of the Week! Scores of the Week! Again, I had a little bit of a busy weekend, so only two scores of the week here for you, all right? We're going to start with the team that always makes the scores of the weeks. Always? Defiance. It sure seems that way. <laughs> Do you look at them first? <laughs> it just comes up. Okay. So Defiance 28, Lima Bath 27. Nice tight game. Yeah. Seems like we talk about Defiance every week, usually because we don't know how many of their two-point conversions they're going to make without a kicker. Ah, uh, yes. Guess, guess what this week? 
They kicked all four extra points. <laughs> they have a kicker. They just weren't using him. <laughs> huh. Wait. Huh. All Maybe right. Maybe soccer season's over. I don't know. Okay. Good so for that. Defiant... Yep. So I looked it up. It must have at least because first they had seven, then 14, then 21, then 28. So it went up seven at a time. So they, they must have made one... all four extra points. And they're reliable. <laughs> so Defiance took a 28 to 7 lead. And then Lima Bath rallied back with three late touchdowns. The first two made the score 28 21. On their last score, the extra point was missed. And Defiance got the one point win after they lost a one point game last. Oh, my goodness. Our other score of the week involves those blue and white Napoleon Wildcats. They beat Oregon Clay 35 to 34 in triple overtime. Napoleon had the early 21 7 lead at the halftime. Oregon Clay had two third quarter touchdowns to make the score 21 all. Neither team scored in the fourth quarter. They each scored a touchdown with the extra point in the first overtime. Neither team scored in the second overtime. <laughs> that had to be frustrating all around. <laughs> yeah. uh, Napoleon scored first and made their extra point in the third overtime. Oregon Clay also scored a touchdown. They decided they'd had enough of this. They went for the two-point conversion, but it was intercepted by Napoleon's Hayden Gherkin to hold on to the win. I feel like we know some Gherkins. Yes, we've heard of some Gherkins from Napoleon before. That's okay, That good. also stuck out to me when I saw that. So. <laughs> good job, Hayden. You might be a pseudo-cousin. <laughs> and since I only had two scores of the week, I decided to name a team of the week this week. Ooh, dramatic. I like it. My team of the week this week, the Spencerville Bearcats. Is this not just because only, they're the Bearcats? Not only do I like them because they're the Bearcats and they have a claw S instead of a claw C or whatever we call that, the C paw. paw. They have an S paw, kind of nice. They're red and black like the Bearcats, but that's not had nothing to do with this. Trust me. <laughs> Spencerville had lost their previous five games all with a running clock. Yep. They stayed mentally tough, rallied, and this week they beat Ada 35-14 to to get back in the playoff hunt. I'm so glad. Our mentally tough team of the week goes to Spencerville. Congratulations. They made it out of the brutal valley of their schedule. Yeah, I'm sure it was not enjoyable, so nice no. to see them get a win. Okay, moving into Division 5. Region 18, Liberty Center stays at number one. They're going to finish at number one. All right. Okay. Easy peasy. <laughs> Wipe our hands on that Easy one. peasy. Yep. <laughs> At number five, Coldwater. They now face their gauntlet of the season. They play 7-1 Versailles and 8-0 Marion Local the next two games. The Cavaliers will probably host their first playoff game, even if they lose both contests. But two wins start earn them a spot in the top four and two home playoff games. Two <laughs> we'll wins are going to be tough. <laughs> if they get two wins, it'll set them up nicely for a state championship run. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I agree. Oh, boy, Liberty Center is right there in that same region. Yeah. So that, that, I would, I would, even without, I'm looking forward to that game if it happens mm -hmm. in the playoffs. But mm -hmm. if Coldwater shows they can beat Versailles and Marion Local, I am really looking forward to that game. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That'd be exciting. Our sixth ranked team is Liberty Benton. 
They likely earned a home playoff game by beating five and three Pandora Gilboa this week, this last week, I should say. Mm-hmm. They are unlikely to reach the top four, even if they have wins over two and six Arcadia and seven and one Macomb to end the season. So there's a little bit of gap between their points and the top four. At number 12, we find Indian Lake. They are another team that has that annoying 1% chance of missing the playoffs if they lose their final games. It didn't bother me so much at the beginning, but it's really starting (laughs) to get on my nerves. (laughs) I really thought we were going to be changing Indian Lake's color the last couple of weeks, but it Mm -hmm. just doesn't quite work out. Indian Lake, the Lakers, I think, which would make sense. That would make a lot of sense. They have two, three, and five teams remaining on their schedule. Springfield Northwestern and Richwood North Union. A win in either game gets rid of that annoying 1% chance of missing the playoffs. They are the Lakers. All right. I just, the first link was for the masked Lakers, like with COVID mask. And that confused me. (laughs) The masked. I don't know if that's, it's on their website, their school website. So I'm guessing it was a um, morale thing in COVID times, but I don't know if it's staying. I would hope I would not. guess not, <laughs> but it's the first link. <laughs> All right. Interesting. And you would think of mascots, you usually think of a mask as being like over the eyes, so you can't tell who they are, not right, over right, the right. mouth, so you don't get COVID. It's a new type of American hero. It really is. It really is. Anyway, do we need to go on and talk about our team of the week again? Yes. And that is Spencerville. They are 13th in the rankings now after that win over Ada. They should be able to nab that 16th and final playoff spot, even if they lose their final two games. The Bearcats are big underdogs against 5-3 and three Convoy Crestview this week, but a win in Week 10 against winless Delphus Jefferson would make the postseason almost a guaranteed shoe-in. Mm-hmm. And feels- I believe, as we've said before, as we've said before, not many points in beating a winless team, but there are some. There are some, yeah. That feels almost comfortable for getting to the playoffs. I would agree. Almost. Almost. <laughs> Division 5, Region 20, we'll start with Milton Union. We had already put them in the playoffs a week or two ago. They need one more win to earn a home playoff game. And they are three touchdown favorites over three and five Dayton Northridge this week. So that sounds pretty good. Combined with a week 10 win over seven to one DeGraff Riverside and Milton Union should get two home postseason matchups. Ooh. Now Miami East is at number 15. They're not worried about home field. They're worried about getting in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a that's a nervous spot to be sitting in this late in the season. <laughs> If they can defeat two and six Tip City Bethel this week, they have about an 85% chance to make the playoffs. Okay. Okay. So it's not that annoying 1%. It's even worse. It's a 15% chance on missing. (laughs) If they win their next game. Yep. If they win their next game. Moving down to Division Six, Region 22. We'll start with Bluffton. And Columbus Grove, Bluffton's number one, Columbus Grove's number three. Both teams are now guaranteed to host their initial playoff game. So whoever runs a concession stands there better order more stuff, (laughs) get more volunteers, be ready to go. They have two playoff games to handle. Need to add to the schedule. They get some good stuff, too. I hate it when they run out of things at the concession stand at the end of the year. Get all the unpopular candy they are still there. 
All the big Texas cinnamon rolls are gone. Oh, it's hard to find a good big Texas cinnamon roll at a concession stand like when <laughs> I was in charge back in the day. Yeah, they don't. <laughs> they probably don't have the same priorities we did, which was get something filling in there so we can have dinner that's not just pizza. <laughs> And something that maybe doesn't sell that well that we like, so there's leftovers that we can buy later on. <laughs> it was a little selfishly motivated, yeah. Let's see. A win over three and five Allen East this week will guarantee Bluffton a top four finish. A win over three and five Ada will likely do the same thing for Columbus Grove. At number six, Defiance Tenora. They should finish number eight if they win out, as they are favored to do against two and six Edgerton and one and seven Hicksville. Not a lot of points, but again, some there. That should be enough. They'll drop a spot or two, but should stay in the top eight. Host that playoff game. Now, it gets a little dicier down here. We find Paulding at number 16, right on the edge right now. Mm-hmm. They are two to three touchdown underdogs in both their last two games. Oh, They're going to they're gonna need a win in one of those if they want to be in the playoffs, or someone is going to pass them. Yep, doesn't sound, doesn't sound great right now. And here's one of those teams, number 17, Wayne Trace. They just need one more win to get a playoff spot. They face 6-2 and two Ayersville and 5-3 and three Paulding, so it's not going to be easy for Wayne Trace either. I believe that Paulding game might be about a 50-50 type, of, type game, so they'll have a lot more trouble with Ayersville this week, I believe. Gotcha. At number 18, Riverdale. They need to upset 5-3 and three Pandora Gilboa this week, or they are going to be out of contention. Hey, it's looking better for Paulding all the time. All these teams below them are having trouble finding wins here. Number 19, Van Buren. They need to upset 5-3 and three Arlington this week if they want to stay in playoff con- contention. <laughs> and finally, we have number 23, Sherwood Fairview. They officially still have an 8% chance to make the playoffs, but only if they pull off a 25-point upset of 6-2 and two Ayersville this week, or next week, excuse me. So that's quite the uh, mountain to climb. Yeah, for no Sherwood kidding. Fairview. That was a whole, I don't know what to call that, stream of desperation for the last couple teams there. I would agree. That's a lot of team, And always reminds me of a quote from a college basketball season. The last week of the season, there's all the talk about which teams are on the bubble for making the tournament. And what do bubble teams do? They lose because otherwise they wouldn't be on the bubble. They'd be higher up. So teams on the bubble tend to lose <laughs> when the when the time comes, especially now if there's 16 teams in the playoffs instead of eight per week. Yeah. All right. Division six, region 24. We'll start with, oh, I wanted to mention this region is interesting to me. <laughs> the top six teams are guaranteed to finish the season in the top six. Don't know what spot, but those six teams will be in the top six. Everyone else is fighting for seven on down in the region. There's a huh. huge gap between number six and number seven. All right. So there's going to so be a mini means, fight for the top four. Exactly. Six teams fighting for those top four spots. We'll start with number two for sales. They need one more win to finish in the top four. They play 8-0 and Coldwater this week and 7-1 and Minster next week. Big oh, that'll points. be a good game. Big challenges. Yeah, no kidding. Number four, we find West Liberty Salem. They should coast to two more wins. But in doing so, I'm projecting them to finish fifth in the region, just missing out on the top four. They have about a one in three chance of getting into the top four. Not many points available in their last two games. 
And the sixth team of those top six, Tri-Village, they should easily win their last two games also. Still likely to finish one spot behind West Liberty Salem. So I had West Liberty Salem at four or five. Tri-Village looks like five or six. So maybe not quite as much of a fight as we thought. Maybe not. They might just fall into place. And leading up the best of the rest, we find Anna at number seven. (laughs) (laughs) Anna's a 24-point favorite over both 1-7 and seven Fort Recovery and 2-6 and six Parkway to end their season. If they can just get one win in one of those two games, the Rockets should finish in the top eight and have a home playoff game. And that'd be 4-6 and six record hosting a playoff game. That's what happens when the region's so top-heavy, huh? Let's see, what else do we have here? Oh, we have a two-game winning streak. Has number 10, Allen <laughs> East, in contention to finish in the top eight. Oh. So the Mustang. Yeah, the Mustangs will need some help if they lose to 8 0 Bluffton this week. And boy, Which, everyone else has lost 8 0 Bluffton. Everyone so, you know. else has. <laughs> Parkway's at number 11, suffered a tough homecoming loss to uh, Windless Fort Recovery last week. Oh, interesting. I always said Fort Recovery was a lot better than their record showed. It kind of showed it last week. But anyway, back to Parkway. They really should stay at number 11, even if they lose their final two games. They're both against three and five teams, Delta St. John's and Anna. If they win both of those games, look for Parkway to host a playoff game. The 17th ranked team is Troy Christian. They need one more win to move up that extra spot to get into the playoffs. The Eagles, though, are 26-point underdogs to five and three Layman Catholic this week and a 14-point dog to two and six Tip City Bethel in week 10. So they're on the edge, but they're going to need to do some work if they want to get into the top 16. And just one spot lower, at number 18, we have Triad. They're even (laughs) even touchier than Troy Christian. They need one win to get in. They are 31-plus point underdogs against West Liberty Salem and Mechanicsburg in their final two games. Looking better, though, is Arcanum, who's currently ranked 22nd. They can get a playoff spot. Yeah, they 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 are. If they win their last two games against three and five Dixie and three and three Bradford, in which they are slight favorites in both games, and even if they just win one, they might pass those other teams and make it into the 16th spot. Keep wow. an eye out for Arcanum. Okay. In fact, I believe I saw Drew Prastewer's playoff projections had Arcanum getting up to 15th, which would get them a nice Dark County first round playoff game against Versailles. Oh boy, it <laughs> so would get them there, though. Tra- they, they wouldn't have to travel for it. There, yeah, that's something. Time for Division Seven. I thought this would be a good place as any to toss in my, since we only had two high school scores of the week. Okay, we're going to toss in our NFL score of the week right here. <laughs> really discrediting the earlier statement where we said we don't pay attention to pro football. Well, well, I was following this one at some kind of. Um, gathering of relatives i was watching on the phone to see i couldn't see the game but i could see the plays tick by the pittsburgh steelers beat the baltimore ravens 17 to 10 and at one point the steelers were ahead 14 to 10 that sounds like a pretty normal score right two touchdowns there we are well if you think that you haven't been watching the steelers (laughs) offense this season pittsburgh had two field goals a safety and a touchdown and where they missed the two-point conversion to get to their 14 points. <laughs> okay. Oh, gosh. Okay. That's messy. It was very messy. 
I think one of the announcers put down the Steelers had just won the ugliest game in the NFL this week. <laughs> oh my gosh. Now, I put this score in partly because I had three separate requests to relay the story that we mentioned a few weeks ago of how I became a Steelers fan. <laughs> you did dangle that little fruit out there for people to, to reach for. Yes, I did. And when, you know, when I was a substitute teacher and used to wear my big Steelers coat in the school, kids would ask me that all the time. Yeah, you don't see many Steelers fans in this area. In fact, no. they're pretty openly reviled <laughs> by quite a few people. So the way I would tell the story to these kids in school was a long time ago, back when I was a wee little lad, maybe three or four years old, I was a big time football fan already. And I would watch the games on our black and white television set at home because I'm really old. And I, being a three or four year old, I didn't know who the teams were. So I just rooted for the black team to beat the white team on our black and white television set. By the way, that every year they used to show the Texas Oklahoma college game in which Texas would be burnt orange and Oklahoma would be red. And they both look kind of like brown on my television set. And it confused the heck out of me. <laughs> But anyway, somewhere back in 1969 or 1970, my father can't remember the exact year, I don't think, but he told me that the Steelers <laughs> never won, so it had to be about then. <laughs> we purchased a color television, and the Steelers were still in black uniforms. So I rooted for the Pittsburgh Steelers from 1970 on, all because I started on a black and white TV, or else I'd probably be a Bengals or Browns fan. Although, probably Browns, I don't think the Bengals started until about 1969 or 70. Which oh. would have worked, I guess. They played well, the first I didn't season. Know they were that recent. Yeah, they played their first season at Nippert Stadium, by the way. 68. 68. Oh, I guess I could have been a Bengals fan. Then. How about that? Oh, no, you've got some pretty heavy devotion from when you were three years old. You may not have. Yeah, but if we'd have had a color TV to start with, True. I might have been there. I might have been there. You might have. But there would go half of your personality. You'd just be like everyone else in Ohio. I know. What fun is that? It's nice to be different, <laughs> right? Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes. I so enough of that know story. they were that new. Oh, yes. Huh. And for those youngins out there, the uh, founder and coach of the Bengals was a Mr. Paul Brown, mm -hmm. who is actually the guy the Cleveland Browns is named after. Oh, really? I don't know the details, but apparently there was some kind of heavy personality fight between him and the owner of the Browns. So he left. And started his own team. <laughs> sure. So the Bengals and Browns have not liked each other from day one. <laughs> no. <laughs> Goodness. Time for us to hit Division 7, Rebecca. Let's do it. In Region 26, Patrick Henry, McComb, and Waynesfield Goshen all locked up home playoff games this past week. Good for them. Good for them. Patrick Henry's number one. A little bit of a, uh, how would you call it, a precarious perch on the top spot. If they lose as a 13-point underdog to 7-1 Archbold this week, they are unlikely to finish the season in the top four. They will probably fall to number five. And they have not been out of the top four, I don't know, since about week one, maybe. They've been there all season long. So. Oh, five will be kind of dramatic for them. Yeah. Macomb is currently third in the rankings. They play one in six Richmond Heights this week. Uh -oh. Maybe. Maybe. Richmond Heights, about Thursday or so last week canceled their game against Lima Central Catholic. Um, I believe they said because of numbers and academic reasons. 
Oh, that's not a good sign. <laughs> no. So I have my doubts whether this team is really going to show up to play Macomb this. Actually, and if they don't, Macomb will get a buy in the computer points because when the game never starts, no team gets credit for a win on a forfeit of any kind. So, but since Richmond Heights is one and six, Macomb will probably get a few more points on their average by having the open week by than they would from beating a one and six team. LCC did actually gain just a little bit by getting the buy instead of getting a win in that game. Yeah, I was wondering about that. Let's see. What do we have for the future here from Macomb? Uh, let's see. Similar to Patrick Henry, they need a mild upset over 7-1 Liberty Benton in Week 10 if they want to finish <laughs> in the top four. A mild upset. <laughs> a mild upset. They're only like a <laughs> touchdown or less under them. A mild upset. Okay. Not like a spicy upset, huh? Not a spicy upset. Not a blazing hot upset. Let's see. We have Antwerp, currently number five, suffered maybe a little more than a mild upset. Lost to six and two Ayersville last week. Lost 30 to 24. Sounds like a good game, actually. But if they can win over five and three Paulding this week, the Archers will earn at least one and probably two home playoff games. Despite their undefeated record, Drew Pasteur's Fantastic 50 computer ranks number six, Waynesfield Goshen, as only the 13th best team in this region. Not an unfamiliar situation to us. By the way, I use Drew Pasteur's website enough that I am legally obligated to mention him at least once per podcast. So, You know, you keep saying legally obligated, and I don't... Okay. <laughs> I don't think okay. it means what you think it means. <laughs> Okay, morally obligated. obligated. He go. asked. He asked that I mention him. So there you go. Oh, good. I'm <laughs> glad he asked. By the way, Drew's computer also thinks Waynesfield will finish the season undefeated and they will end up with the number five seed in the playoffs. Huh. Okay. Okay, I'm following. 13th death best team doesn't mean 13th best computer points. Correct. Yep. So maybe if you get... One of those teams that comes in around number 12 or so, you kind of hope to see Waynesfield Goshen as the five seed up on the other half of the bracket. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's the theory. Of it. just, as soon as you root for that, they're just going to kick your butt, though. So, you know, it's, <laughs> it's a fate has a way of doing that to you. Back to the standings at number seven is Pandora Gilboa. They are a running clock type of favorite for their final two games, not expecting too much competition. They should earn a home playoff game by finishing in the top eight. The number eight, Lipsick, after winning their first six games, they have lost their last two. They were over very good teams, by the way, that they lost. If they can get wins over winless Delphus Jefferson and five and three Convoy Crestview, they still are unlikely to remain in the top eight and get that home playoff game. It's going to be tight. At number nine is Defiance Ayersville. They gained big points from their win over 7-1 Antwerp last week, as you tend to do when you beat a 7-1 team. As you tend to do, yeah. The Pilots will earn a home playoff game with a win over 4-4 four four Wayne Trace this week mm. or one over 1-7 Sherwood Fairview the next week. I understand. Number 10 is that Lima Central Catholic team who lost their opponent in the middle of the week last week. Had to be disappointing for the players. You're prepared for a mm-hmm. game and suddenly gets taken away from them. 
I'm sure they tried to find a replacement, but that late. Hard, hard to do season, last minute. Yeah. That late, that late in the week, too. Yeah. Going to be tough. If they win over two and six Oregon Cardinal stretch this week, and they will, and they beat five and three Fort Laramie next week, and they might, then the Thunderbirds should host their initial playoff game. I think that LCC Fort Laramie game, which will be on Saturday of week 10, so it'll be after almost all the other games are done, would be a fun one to watch. At number 12, Upper Soto Valley moved up four spots by defeating 6-2 and two Marion Elgin last week. If they can repeat that with a win over 6-2 and two Harden Northern this week, they will lock up a playoff berth. A week 10 win over 2-6 and six North Baltimore would probably be an easier way to get the same job done. Probably would. Probably would. Don't always do the easiest thing, though. No, you take the first chance you get. Don't wait for that later game. I mean, who knows what will mm-hmm, happen later mm-hmm. on. At number 14, Arlington, another one of those teams likely in the playoffs already, not mathematically guaranteed, but they're likely there. Another 99%. There's always a chance one of those winless teams will beat a 7-1 team somewhere along the way and mess up all the rankings, but it's not That is late. true. If they get a win over 2-6 and six Van Buren, that makes them 99% favorites to get into the playoffs. <laughs> oh. If they pull an upset in week 10 over 5-3 and three Lucas, then there's no doubt they're in easily. Now, it's kind of hard to believe a 6-2 and two team would be out of the top 16, but such, yeah. is the case, such is the case in a nice region with 33 teams like this one. <laughs> and that's not good for number 17, Harden Northern. The Polar Bears have toss-up games remaining against 6-2 and two Upper Soto Valley and 6-2 and two Marion Elgin. One win gets Harden Northern in the playoffs. No wins leaves them on the outside. It's nice, though. They at least have the control over it. Yes, they do. Still got the chance. Two chances. And like I said, they look like about 50-50 games to me. So, you know, Mm -hmm. go for it. It doesn't feel like one of those situations where they really need like three more teams to lose outside of their own games. Nope. All they have to do is go win a game they can win. It's always nice. All they have to do is win. 18th is Convoy Crestview. If they get a win over 3-5 and five Spencerville this week, that may be enough to get them into the playoffs. To be certain, they have to beat 6-2 Lipsick in Week 10. That sounds harder. So, win this week over Spencerville. See some successful scoreboard watching. Might all be taken care of before that Week 10 game. So, is that a an either-or situation, or is that a both situation? Either-or. Okay. okay. Win in either game should... A six a win over lips that could lock things up gotcha. in week ten. They win uh Spencerville, it's probably locked. Possibly okay. locked up. More Good than likely. Know. I don't know. More than <laughs> Just add more qualifiers, it'll work out. At number twenty, we have Ada. They yeah, let's just <laughs> say they have a one percent chance to make the playoffs, and we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh boy. And 21 Delphi St. John's, 22 Lima Perry. They are out of playoff contention. Delphi St. John's three and five. They could win their last two, go five and five, and be out of the playoffs. There may be an email from me going to the state that says there better not be a 33 team region next year. There just may be such an email going out. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. This is a little silly. And if there's not a bunch of coaches who have a lot more pull than I do doing the same thing, well, then, shame on them, I guess. Especially considering the neighboring regions are much smaller. Yes. 23 teams in Region 28, as we shall see in a bit. 
I understand the reasoning. I don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot of reading to do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, really. I mean, this this region, just recapping this region wears me out as much as babysitting my grandson, Jack. Come on. Oh, my goodness. And wrapping up Division 7, we have Region 28. Ooh, uh, just as we meaty. Two, we have two new playoff teams here. Fort Larmy and Bradford, playoff bound now. Yay! Fort Larmy after a win, Bradford after a loss, and just some other things going the right way. Okay, Works we'll take way. it. By the way, that is now 13 of the 16 postseason spots have been claimed in this region. Only three still up for grabs. Ooh, the drama. In number one spot, Marion Local. If they lose to eight no cold water next week, they will probably remain number one. (laughs) (laughs) Number two is Ansonia. They look to finish second in the region. If they defeat six and two Preble Shawnee this week, if they lose, they will probably still finish second, but it could be third. So there might be a little drop. I don't think so. I think they'll be second anyway. That's just me. (laughs) We're all pretty locked in here in week eight. Yep. At number three, DeGraff Riverside. They should finish number three in the standings. Outside chance they could move up to number two if they defeat six and two Milton Union next week. At four are those mighty Minster Wildcats. They should get a home playoff game even if they lose to both three and five New Bremen this week mm-hmm. and seven and one Versailles next week. Oh, okay. If they win both games, they should be guaranteed two home playoff games. They should finish in number four or better. That New Bremen game, it looks like it ought to be a big favorite. Minster 7-1, New Bremen 3-5. Drew mm-hmm. Pasteur says Minster a six-point favorite only. And part of Ooh. that is because it's being played at Minster. We're only a, oh boy, only a six-point because we've yeah. got the home field advantage. Exactly. Oh New gosh. Bremen, another team that looks much better than their record. Much, They've had much a, better. a good previous couple of years. So I'm kind of surprised by the three and five right now. Now they did have some injury problems, but many people, many teams do during the year. But mm-hmm. and by the way, I'll just toss this out here: if Minster defeats New Bremen and then loses to Versailles, that could trigger what I like to refer to as the MAC nightmare scenario. Nightmare scenario. If that happens, Minster would likely host either Mint either. St. Henry or New Bremen in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, okay. The winner of that game would then probably play either the other one of St. Henry and New Bremen, who would be a big favorite over Southeastern in their first playoff game. Uh, and and then the winner of that game between those two MAC teams, guess who they'd run into the next round? Marion Local. Oh, boy. <laughs> I understand. So it's a gauntlet. Yeah, they would rather this got mixed up a little bit, you know, play someone but different. I'm, I'm <laughs> betting everyone else in the region and probably division is gnashing their teeth for that one. Oh, Get all the MAC teams their... out in one go. They're just licking their lips. Get them all out of the way. You better believe it. <laughs> Make them fight <laughs> each other. Yeah. Let's see. Currently number nine is Fort Larmy. They are a slight underdog against both five and three Lucas this week and four and three Lima Central Catholic next week. One win should earn the Redskins the number eight seed and the home playoff game that goes with it. Uh, two wins, they should move up a couple of spots higher, number six, something like that. At number 10, Sydney Lehman has a good chance to defeat both two and six Troy Christian and three and five Dayton Northridge. 
If they do, that could earn the Cavaliers a home postseason matchup. Not guaranteed to put them in the top eight, but a good chance. Mechanicsburg is number 11. They have a 50-50 type game against 6-2 and two Springfield Northeastern this week. Mm-hmm. Expect them to finish around number 10 in the standings with a win. With a loss, probably more like number 12. Not too bad. Not too much movement. At number 12, we have Bradford. They should finish somewhere between number 12 and number 14 in the final standings, depending on the result of their Week 10 game against 2-6 and six Arcanum, of course. At number 13, we find New Bremen. As I said before, only a mild underdog against 7-1 Minster this week. They are favored against 3-5 and five Delta St. John's next week. But no matter what happens... The Cardinals should not crack the top eight. They will have to travel for their opening playoff game. And just like last week, we are still only 99% (laughs) sure St. Henry is in the playoffs. (laughs) There it is again. They seem destined to finish near that 14th spot, within a spot or two up or down, 12 to 16, somewhere in that range, no matter the results of their game against 1-7 and Fort Recovery next week. And we have Fort Recovery at 18. They are still mathematically alive if they can beat one of either three and five Anna or two and six St. Henry. If they win both, they're still probably only going to be the number 16 seed. Mm -hmm. If they win one, like I said, they're mathematically alive, but it's, if I remember right, it might be like a 16% chance. Still not real hot. Tight, 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 tight. We have two winless teams down here. Covington is likely out of contention. Uh, Miss Cinnamon Valley is. I don't think we need to worry about those two teams as far as making the playoffs anymore. Okay. And we have the eight-man football. There were some happenings in eight-man football this week. There were happenings. happenings. That's always exciting. What have we we'll got? Start at the, yeah, we'll start at the top. Good, start, pl- five, good place to start. Five and two Toledo Christian takes over the top spot. With a twenty to fourteen win over five and one Holgate, okay, that's actually kind of a low scoring game for what we usually see in the eight man football. A little bit, yeah. Said both have five wins. Toledo Christians played more games. You might think their computer point average would be a little lower, but they have all those second level points from beating Holgate <laughs> this week, so that moves them on top. Our number four team, Sebring McKinley, just achieved their first ever. Eight-man football win over Stryker this week. So congratulations to Sebring McKinley. As I said, in my standings, that puts him at number four. I don't know where that puts him in the standings of the people who are going to make up the playoff bracket for eight-man football, however many teams that will involve, which I have not yet received an answer to yet. Yeah, I was just about to ask. (laughs) However, this is coming up the last week for games in-state, basically. Pretty much in week 10, they all play out of state. I'm guessing those games won't matter much for figuring out who the teams are for the playoffs. So we may have some word on that after next week's games, I think, and what the playoff format's so. going to be here. Hope so. Something I found interesting, the next two weeks, Holgate this week and Sebring McKinley next week, play against Southington Chalker. That's an Ohio school. They seem to have put together an eight-man football team from their JV squad and are playing a couple of games here this year. Be interesting to see if we see more of them in coming seasons. Mm, Cleveland. Yep. In between the city and Youngstown. They had nobody to play over there, but now they have Sebring McKinley in the neighborhood. 
relatively speaking. Could be farther as far as eight man goes. You're kind of rolling the dice on getting near anyone. Now, if I, my supposition is right and they are taking four teams to an eight man football playoffs here, this week's critical game could be one and six striker playing against one and five Lakeside Danbury, the number (laughs) five and six teams in the rankings. The winner should jump over Sebring McKinley into the four spot in our standings here. And I would think in whatever standings they're using in their conference play also, that could be the game to determine who gets the last playoff spot. I really wish I knew. It it drives me a little nuts. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) You hear that? Eight-man football team organizers who definitely listen to us. Get us the playoff information. I should probably send a text out to the commissioner. He's from Napoleon. He's answered me before. We've had some eight-man coaches on here. You would think one of them would let me know, right? You know many of these people. Yeah, you could ask in person. Oh, I should have done that when I was up north this weekend. Helpful, yeah. Of course, I'd have had to go, like, knock on their door. That seems kind of strange. It does seem rude, yeah. Yeah. Now, if they had convenient office hours. Ooh, probably weren't any on Sunday when I was up there. No, probably not. Yeah, the eight-man football commissioner's office. I'm sure the secretary was waiting at the door during office hours. (laughs) <laughs> Ready to answer all my questions, right? <laughs> sure. sure. Oh, my goodness. And on that note, we will wrap up week eight here. Would you like to tell people where they can send all their comments and questions to, Rebecca? Sure. Always one of my favorite parts of the pod. <laughs> if you have questions or comments or observations or corrections, you can send them to us. We are happy to receive them. And I'll scold dad for... Uh, degrading you if you do send it in because he has a habit of doing that sometimes um or maybe it's just the one listener i'm so sorry (laughs) i got distracted again anyway those can be sent to us at bdmonin at nktelco.net via email or you can submit them on twitter to at bruce monin always an option and that would also work on pretty much any social media thing out there Shockingly, there's not too many Bruce Monins, so any of them that you contact will probably end up with us. Yes. I don't know if we have many listeners on Parler or um, any of those other high-volume social media media sites, but I do have a presence on many of them, actually. Mastodon? I do not have on that one. Should I? I don't know. I saw it circling when Twitter was dying. Um, I'm not sure if anyone's actually using it. I think Neil Gaiman posts a lot there. Oh, okay. And he sounds like a guy that would be highly interested in Ohio high school football. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> so anyway, please subscribe to this podcast at Apple Podcast Store, Amazon Music, or on iHeartRadio. Much easier to get them that way than waiting for the link to show up. Some week I may forget to put one out on Twitter or <laughs> Facebook or Parler. Or... I don't think I've ever figured out how to do it on Instagram. I don't think I'm going to bother But anyway, just subscribe. Makes life easy for all of us. And, of course, be sure to tune in next week for Week 9 here on Bruce Monin's Computer Points.